Welcome and thank you for choosing this two-part series by Randy Clark. In part number one, entitled, Biblical Basis of Healing, Randy will lay a solid biblical foundation for the ministry of healing. He will discuss various scriptures on healing as well as showing us how we are to react when healing occurs and doesn't occur. Prepare yourself to respond to the anointing of God as you listen to this message. The Biblical Basis of Healing 1995, I go to Pasadena, and uh, I'm going to preach at Cheon's church. I'd been studying F.F. F. Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer, and had basically uh, taken notes on that. I felt like I don't want to preach on the power of the Word to heal. And I had my notes, and I was encouraged, and I was really excited about preaching the message because I thought, man, this is really good stuff. I'm going to preach it. And then I got this thought that I knew was God's thought because I knew I would never think this. And it was this, Tell the people while you teach the Word, I will heal them, and they will feel my anointing come on their body, and when they do, they can't remain passive. They have to do something. When they feel the anointing come on their body, they have to stand up till you see them and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus, and then they can sit back down. I thought, oh my God, what if that isn't you? What if that's just my mind? I don't think it's my mind. I think it's you, but what if I'm wrong? And if I say that and nobody stands up, I'm going to be looking so stupid and I'm going to feel so embarrassed. But I want to tell all you pastors, you need to get out of your own church, go somewhere else and preach so you can risk like that so that if you're wrong, you never have to go back and see those people again. And you know what? It was God. And people started standing up during the message. And I don't know, and scores stood up and scores were healed. It was so much fun. You don't have to illustrate the sermon. God does His own illustrating. It's amazing. Well, a month later, I went down to Harold Caballeros' church in El Shaddai in Guatemala City. Several thousand people were there. And, and I was going to preach this message again. And you know how we often pray? We pray, Lord... Uh, if it's your will that I do this, tell me. I had so much fun. I said, God, that was so much fun preaching like that. God, I'm going to do it again unless you tell me not to. <laughs> I bless you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> all right. So, I, so I said, all right, Lord. And he didn't tell me not to. So I started... And I got into the, invita the, the introduction. A woman on my right stood up. I saw her and I said, Yo bendigan in nombre de Jesus. And bam, she hit the floor and she shook for the whole sermon, which is about an hour long. But then when you add in the translation, it makes it two hours long. So all of you people are really blessed to be able to hear this sermon in one language. When I preached it in, in Mozambique, it was three hours long, but it had to go through two translations. But anyway, uh, at the end of the meeting, she, she got up and uh, she did what God told her to do. She went to the doctor the next day, came back, gave her a report with her medical records in hand. That day, she was to have had her uterus removed because it was full of fibroid tumors. Fibroid tumors was in the uterus and it was supposed to have been removed. And she said, no, I'm going to go to this meeting instead. She came to the meeting. The power of God came on her. When we began to preach, she stood up. God knocked her down. She went to the doctor. He examined her. 
He didn't want to examine her, actually. He thought she was silly but because he wasn't a believer. But she was a very wealthy woman. If she had been poor, she probably wouldn't have a uterus today. But since she was wealthy, she could, call, she could tell the doctor, no, you will not operate on me. You'll examine me first. And he did. And he called her in his office and said, I don't get it. Yesterday that uterus was full of fibroid tumors. And today there's not one in it. And not only that, instead of looking like the uterus of a 40-year-old woman, it looks like that of a 20-year-old woman. I saw her several years later. There'd been no reoccurrence of any tumors of any kind. I was excited. Every time I've preached this message since then, there has never been a time that somebody didn't get healed through the preaching of the Word. But the most exciting time of all was the very first time we went to Buenos, uh, went to Sao Paulo in Brazil, our first trip to Brazil. I was preaching this message to 1,200 pastors and their, their mates. And as I was preaching it, the people started getting up. And this time, uh, again, they'd stand up and I'd, I'd bless them and I'd say, Eu abençoe, nome de Jesus. And they started getting up so fast, I couldn't say it fast enough. So finally I just said, Eu abençoe, Eu abençoe, Eu abençoe, Eu abençoe, nome de Jesus. And then I lost the meeting. So many people was getting up. The noise level was so loud that you could not hear me even when I yelled over the PA system. It couldn't get over the din of the people's excitement. And I turned around. We had people, about 12 of us on the team. as a small team. And I, I looked to the president of the Foursquare denomination there and said, uh, uh, Pastor, I've lost the meeting. I don't know what to do. And I turned around and God's just moving everywhere. So I looked to the 12 people and I said, Go get them! And they just started marching out, praying for people. And for 45 minutes, it was bedlam. It was, it was heaven came down and God established His order, which looked like disorder to me, but God's order doesn't always look like our order, but His order was in heaven's order, and heaven's order was sickness, disease was leaving, and health and restoration was coming. I like that order. To me, that's real order. Disorder is when the body is sick. Anyway, it was fun. It continues to be fun. Now I have a question for you. Do you believe God's just as powerful here in Reading as He is in Sao Paulo or Guatemala City? I mean, we've been, we've been hearing about the Word. We've been hearing about God's love and He loves you. And he's, and then, I don't know, Bill, you haven't got to say this yet, but Bill's got a great sermon. I, I love it. One of his, he's got a lot of one-liners. And one of my favorites is God's in a good mood. <laughs> I don't think everybody believes that but he is and his mood is love toward us and we see the mood of God in Jesus Christ and so we're just going to begin with the word and again I'm going to ask that you can't remain passive do you feel heat energy your pain in any way changing your pain getting less your pain moving Getting more, you get hot, get cold, feel wind around you, stand up. Feel like something's touching you, feel weight on you, like, oh my gosh, I can't hardly sit up in this chair. Stand up. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. God is in a hurry tonight. Wow, I bless you in the name of Jesus. 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 Even if you were just trying to get something out of your pocket. I bless you in the name of Jesus.
<laughs> All right. You know, I actually need to stand up there because I, I have trouble seeing what God's doing at this angle. So, <laughs> you know what? So many people already, God's anointing him, and we haven't got to teach to start to read the first scripture yet. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to, ex- to the book of Exodus. just happened to you? I had a miracle. Brian. center what okay what happened what was wrong with you I had six spinal surgeries I've uh, let's see I've had three pain pumps implanted Um, I've had one knee replaced I'm scheduled for another knee replacement Um, what happened tonight I was healed What? How how long have you had how long have you been uh, afflicted? What how long have you been in this problem? 30 years, it's just been getting worse. (laughs) 
start right she brought you first injured and right from the first of my 30 years ago my surgeries she came she came to help then and she's brought me here and this is the third time I've been to see Randy and now what did you feel happen when you were healed did you feel any heat or tingling or or did you just heat my spine right right was the main problem in the spine the main problem is in my spine yes was <laughs> <laughs> Let's give a shout of praise to the Lord. God's through? Me either. He's going to back up His Word. I mean, that was the prime, the pump. I believe the river is flowing. The well is bubbling up. (laughs) So we're just going to teach His Word and believe that many others are going to be healed tonight. We, we, we believe that there are uh, terminally ill being healed tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, wow. It's, it's hard to concentrate. Not because of anything you're doing, but just because of the adrenaline of excitement in me. It's kind of calm down enough to be able to, to, to say something. <laughs> well, God just proved the first point of tonight's message, and that is that God's self-revelation is He is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. God makes us aware of His name. I am the Lord who heals you. I want you to know by my very covenant name, I am one who heals. Second thing I notice in the Scriptures is that God not only declared that He would be one, I bless you in the name of Jesus, I bless you in the name of Jesus, I bless you in the name of Jesus. That He's not only one who may... I bless you in the name of Jesus and both of you in the name of Jesus. He's not only one who heals... But He's one that says, when my Son comes, when the Messiah comes, you're going to know who He is and you're going to be able to recognize Him because He's going to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah 61 and other passages. Because the Messiah, Myself coming to you, My Son coming to you in the flesh, He will be a healer. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. God wanted us to know that we'd be able to recognize the Messiah because of the anointing on His life and in His life for healing. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 20. When the men came to Jesus, they 
They said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? At that time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. And blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. I just want to declare testimony tonight at all that Jesus said that he, the Messiah would do and what He was doing to tell John. He said, that's the way I'm fulfilling Isaiah 61. Go tell John, Isaiah 61 is fulfilled. I am the Messiah. Bless both of you in the name of Jesus. And I bless you in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Messiah, in the name of our healing Messiah, in the name of the Son of God who has healing in His power. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I'll never forget the first time I ever saw a blind person healed. I'll never forget it. We were down in Cordoba, Argentina. We were in an old building that looked like a warehouse for tractors. Big bugs about this big. Thousands of them all over the floor, going everywhere. I'm telling you, when the power of God fell and people were falling all over the floor and those bugs was going all over their bodies, I knew it was real. I knew there were no fakes on the floor that night. I'm, I'm not, Mark was there. There were thousands of bugs, huge bugs, just all over the world. Nobody cared. That's one woman, she came up to us. She had a uh, digestive problem. Something's wrong with the colon. And she had sugar diabetes. And she was having this really bad pain. She asked for prayer. We prayed. She was healed. And Mark and I had we'd been in uh, Northern Ireland. And we'd prayed for a woman who had had a ret, uh, retinas had been dis, uh, uh, destroyed and she was legally blind and we had prayed for her just a few weeks before in, in, in Northern Ireland and she was healed. I think it was Belfast. We was in Belfast. And, uh, and that had just happened. It was on my mind because she said, you know, I'm blind. And I said, well, what's wrong with your eyes? She said, the retinas have been destroyed by my sugar diabetes. And I said, well, let's pray for that. She said, no, that's all right. I'm, I just want to be healed because I have a lot of pain. I said, yes, but Jesus can do more than that. Jesus can heal your eyes. And she was reluctant to even be prayed for. And I said, please, let me pray for your eyes. And so she finally said yes. And, and uh, we began to pray. She is so sweet. She didn't want to bother us. I bless you in the name of Jesus. She didn't want to burden us with herself. And I said, it's not a burden. We began to pray. And, and she didn't. Any, nothing was happening at first. We prayed a little bit more. And, she said, I'm feeling heat in my eyes. I got really encouraged. And she said, we prayed some more. She said, I'm feeling something in my eyes. We prayed some more. And uh, I said, can you see anything? No, I can't see anything yet, but I'm feeling something. I said, well, we prayed some more. Then we had a big, huge spotlight right in the middle of the building. We raised our head. I want you to look there. Can you see anything? I can, I, I can see a little bit of light. We were encouraged. We prayed for some more. And, uh, and, and she says, I, I, I'm beginning to see shadows. And we're getting excited. We prayed for some more. She said, I, I, I'm, I can't see clear, but I, I'm seeing, I can see, I know something's there, but I can't tell what it is. And I felt like the Lord said, tell her this time when she opens her eyes, she'll see. So, you know, I did what I felt like the Lord had said. You know, you don't, and it's hard to explain what that's like, but I said it and we prayed for her. And this time, not only did we, did we tell her that, we got her husband, pulled her right around, pulled him right around in front of her. And we prayed for her. She opened her eyes. And she begins to weep because 
for the first time in years, she's looking at her husband. She sees her husband and she begins to cry. He began to cry. They hugged each other. And I tell you, that night when he did that, I jumped as high as I could jump. I was jumping like I jumping bean and I was spinning and I was twirling. I tell you, when God does something like that, it's not, that's not the time for the golf clap. Isn't that nice? Reserved. I've said it before. I don't think we have to work our emotions up to see God move, but if our emotions don't get worked up after He moves, there's something wrong with us. If our emotions don't get worked up after God moves by God Himself, then we need to be, in, we need to be revived. If you can come to this meeting tonight and see what God's going to do and not walk out of here having trouble going to sleep tonight because of the adrenaline, then I don't know. I know I'm, I'm not expecting to go to sleep early tonight, though I'm going to be tired because I feel like this is going to be one of those nights that you just can't stop thinking about what God did. You're, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. Watch out. If you get up, you're going to get blessed. <laughs> I bless you in the name of Jesus. I tell you, God, I remember I took my secretary with me on it. I bless you in the name of Jesus. We went down to Guatemala another time, took my church secretary with me. I, I learned never to take your secretaries with you after this one. But anyway, I took my secretary with me and we were praying. And uh, she got, there's this young man came up and she prayed for him. And, and she had never been on a mission trip before. And she, he was blind. This place seated 2,500 people. And uh, after she prayed, he, could, he, 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 he had lost his sight. He saw people, he recognized them clear across the tent, called them, he started yelling at them. He was seeing. My secretary got so excited she went home and resigned. <laughs> she went home, she resigned and said, now I know why you do this. You're the ones having all the fun. I quit. I'm going back down to Antigua, or, uh, Guatemala, and I'm going to language school, and this is what I want to do. You're the one having all the fun. <laughs> I took my doctor's wife and we went to... Well, I didn't take her by myself. She went with us on a big team. I, I want you to know I had, I had a lot of people with me, but this one was the doctor's wife. And, and, uh, and, and we were in Moscow. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And He healed the blind and He still heals the blind. So we were there. She prayed for eight women in 48 hours that were blind and they got healed. One of the pastors that came with us. So we're just declaring what God, what He said He did and what He does still. Jesus said, go back and tell John. John's discouraged. John's depressed. John's wondering if I really am the Messiah. Go back and tell John what you just saw. I tell you, some of you may have friends they don't know if, they, if Jesus is the Savior or not. Maybe they think somebody else is or something. Just go back and tell them what you saw tonight. Said, In Jesus' name, these things took place at Reading at Bethel Church when I was there. And I saw it with my own eyes. Well, anyway, one of the pastors with me, he came up. His name was Steve. And his dad was with us. His dad was going blind. He had this disease. Uh, it's got a name and it's degeneration. It's where it's like there's cones in the back of your eyes and these cones begin to die. And it's a degeneration. Uh, I forget the name. Macular degeneration. He had it really bad. And he was going blind. And the doctor told him, there's not hardly anything we can do. I don't want to do this type of surgery. And so um, 
that might help just a little bit, but also you can go blind. He said, why don't you just wait until you get back from the healing meeting? You're going to Moscow. So he went to Moscow with us. He got healed. The, the, uh, Steve's dad was a pastor. He got healed. Steve came up to me and said, Randy, uh, I, I, I need your permission. I'm under your authority. I, I need to know if I can do this or not. And I said, well, what is it? He said, you see that older woman over there? She's quite elderly. I said, yeah, I, I see her. He said, I think the Lord just told me I'm supposed to spit in her eyes and she'll see. But I'm under your authority. What do you want me to do? Would you like to know what I told him? I said, why don't you go ask her for permission? And if she tells you yes, then spit. And if she doesn't, then don't. So he went and said, uh, I feel like the Lord said, if I spit in your eyes, you'll see. Can I? She said, spit. So I watched him. He didn't, you know, he didn't hike and spit in her eyes. But what he did was he spit in his hands and rubbed it in her eyes and she could see. It was so exciting because we'd never seen any blind people healed. At 25 years of ministry before I saw the blind healed. Now, last month, in nine days, we saw 87 people who were blind or legally blind get their sight in nine days. It is exciting. What God is doing, I'll never forget. He said the deaf will hear. We prayed for a little boy in Odessa. This boy did not have... Well, I'll tell it right. I'm praying. His mom says he's totally deaf in his right ear. He's 14 years old. And uh, it's a Messianic Jewish congregation we were working in, founded by two uh, New York Jewish lawyers who had accepted Jesus as Messiah. And so we're praying. And uh, nothing's happening for a while. And he said, my ear's getting really hot. Oh, I said, that's good, that's good. And because uh, he could hear how his other one was going through a translator into Russian. And... Um, uh, and we're praying some more. And we prayed some more. And then all of a sudden, he started crying. He says, I hear you. And his mom went kind of bonkers. And I, I thought, well, yeah, well, wonderful. We've, we, we've seen quite a few people get healed and, uh, of deafness. And, but she said, you don't understand. I didn't tell you everything. He didn't have an auditory nerve. I had been to the, the best doctor in Odessa. And then we went to uh, Venice. Uh, you know where the canals are and uh, went to another special doctor and the both doctors said that his auditory nerve had been totally destroyed by some type of severe infection and it, he was missing the auditory nerve. I'm glad she didn't tell me that because I know I had, I had enough faith for the deaf to hear. I wasn't sure I had enough faith for the creative miracle. And so I'm not knowing about it was made it easier for me. And... Uh, uh, not that God would be limited, but, you know, I, I might limit myself there. And, and it, it's given us encouragement to see what God does. Well, anyway, Jesus is the Son of God who came to show us the heart of God and He fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy of the, how you'd be able to recognize the Messiah, which is Hebrew for Christ. You'll be able to recognize the Christ by the power in His life to heal. We should be able to recognize the body of Christ today by the power of the Spirit that was on Jesus now upon His body to heal the sick. 
I grew up in a time in the 50s and 60s, particularly the 50s, when everybody was saying they're the real church. The Church of Christ is the real church because they had the real name. They, you know, there's no Methodist in the Bible. There's no Presbyterians in the Bible. But you can find churches of Christ in the Bible. So that's why they're the right one. And then, of course, we Baptists knew that we were the right ones because we could trace our lineage all, through every heretical group that there ever was in, the, in, in Christianity all the way back through the Montanists and all to John the Baptist. And, uh, and of course, the, you know, and the Methodists the, and, the, and the Catholics said, we're the right one. Everybody felt like, you know, we're the right one. A lot of time of prejudice and there's a lot of things, you know, that I bless you in the name of Jesus. And so in this time, I just felt like, you know how you can really recognize a true Christian church? I bless you in Jesus' name. You can recognize a true Christian church. I think it's not so much whether or not we got, which one's got the, the right, correct, 100% right doctrine. It's the one that has the presence. The Christian church, Christian, it comes from the word Christ, which means anointing. There ought to be the evidence of the anointing. I bless you both in Jesus' name. Evidence of the anointing, and the anointing brings the healing. God is still doing it. I bless you, Don, in Jesus' name. Now, this, I can't believe I'm just where I'm at right now. All right. Um, let's turn over to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, he's looking back to Isaiah 61. That was his mandate. He knew He was fulfilling it. He was the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord, we should be able to say that. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. The Spirit of the Lord is in us. And He has anointed us to do these things. And when we really begin to believe it, we will see more when it becomes more certainty to us. Well, I also think another thing that the Bible teaches about healing is that you have been commissioned by Jesus to heal. Say, I'm, I am under a divine commission. I have orders from Jesus. I am to heal the sick. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. I have a commission. I'm going to obey. I bless you in Jesus' name. Now up to this night, I bless you in Jesus' name, you and you in Jesus' name. I want to declare to you that up until tonight, if you have not been praying for the sick, if you have not felt like you were supposed to, that's just for somebody else, up to this point tonight, you could have just committed what we call a sin of ignorance, which is not as serious as a transgression. A transgression is when you know the law and you choose to disobey. Rebellion is the same as witchcraft. How can we rebel? By disobedience. So there are things that God says by His fence, don't do these things. And if we do them, what are we doing? Rebelling. That's transgression. On the other hand, if God says, I want you to do these things, and you say, no, or... You say, okay, I will, but you never follow through. What are you? You're in rebellion. And so after tonight, pray for the sick. 
That's how they get healed, you know. More people will get healed in Reading when Reading has more people praying for the sick. I bless you in Jesus' name. More people will get healed in your city when more people are praying for the sick. I bless my Lutheran friend in the name of Jesus. I, I just bless you. I, 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 may there be a double portion come on you and your wife. And may he set you in place in Minneapolis and in Minnesota. And may he, may he give you a ministry of healing that is so strong that you begin to move outside the local church and you begin to move translocally amongst Lutherans in the north, in Jesus' name, and wherever else He'd lead you. All right. So we have a commission. Say, wait a minute. Prove to me I have a commission. Just because you say it doesn't make it true. Well, let's be Bereans, okay? We're going to study the Word out on this. Turn to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 7 and 8. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. And drive out demons. I bless you and you and you in Jesus' name. And you in Jesus' name. And you and you in Jesus' name. And you in Jesus' name. And you and you in Jesus' name. And you in Jesus' name. And you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you and you in Jesus' name. Just let that anointing continue. After the end of the sermon, I'm going to see who all has been healed. I bless you in Jesus' name. You say, wait a minute, that's not right because that wasn't said to the, every Christian. That was said to just the, uh, the disciples. There was going to be sent out the commissioning of the twelve. And I'm not one of the twelve. I agree with you. You're not one of the twelve. I'm not one of the twelve. And you may say, well, then how... Can we apply to our life that which he said only to the disciples? Well, you got a problem there. If you take a scissors and cut out of the four Gospels everything that he spoke to his disciples, you're going to have big gaping holes in your Bible. Second thing, even beyond that, is because of Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptizing who? Them. Who's the them? The twelve disciples? No. Who are the them? Us. The them are us. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you in Jesus' name. Before you get too drunk, you can't stand up anymore. I bless you in Jesus' name. 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 I bless you and you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you that I missed in Jesus' name. You got tired and sat down. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which is us, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Is that the Bible? That means that we were to be baptized, right? And teaching them who are the them us to obey everything say everything that I have commanded you teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you according to Ephesians chapter 4 11 and 12 and when he ascended he gives some to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry what everything I've asked you to do I want you to teach the church how to do because I bless you in Jesus' name. 
So can you see that you're under a commission? Now, when I, when I used to read this passage in Luke, Mark, Matthew 10, it bothered me. I remember I was at Clady Keith Assembly God Church, the third largest Assembly God Church in the state of Kentucky. And I was reading this passage. I was going to preach this message. And I did not like a part of this passage. I'll tell you, there's, there was something I just didn't like. And, and I, a Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, You're ashamed of that passage, aren't you? I said, Yes, sir, I am. I wish you had not put in the Bible the part that says, Raise the dead. Lord, we're still working on the heal the sick. And when you put in that part about raising the dead, you just raise the stakes way too high. I'm embarrassed to even say that part. You know, you can tell where somebody's at doctrinally by how they read the Bible. I remember if you was reading that passage from in, in Peter uh, where it says, Repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you read that, if the Baptist reading it, he'll say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Church of Christ, they'll read it, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. United Pentecostal will read it, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the assemblies of God will say, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'd read it like this when I was not 32 years old and hadn't seen anything but a healing. I'd read it this way. As you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. And then the power of God, I bless you in Jesus' name. Then the power of God fell upon my church and we saw one of our guys who had had something like leprosy, some skin disease that he had never been able to be healed of since Vietnam. We prayed for him, watched his skin turn clean for the first time in 20-some-odd years. I bless you and I bless you. Then I got ready to read the Scriptures. You, as you will preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Praise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out demons. And then we cast our first demons out. Now I'd read it. As you go preach this message, heal the sick. Praise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out demons. So the Lord was calling me on the carpet in Kentucky. He said, you don't like that part, do you? No, Lord, I don't like that part because it embarrasses me because we fall so far beneath. And I'll never forget it. It's almost the clearest thing I've ever heard from God. And He said this, Don't you dare become an experience-based preacher. And don't you dare lower my word to the level of your experience or create a false theology that, explain, that excuses your experience. You preach what's in my word and let your experience rise because it'll never happen any other way. I bless you and you and you and you in the name of Jesus and you in the name of Jesus and you. I bless you in the Jesus name. I bless you in Jesus name. There's power, power, wonder-working power. In the blood of the Lamb. It's a wonderful name. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I like that. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus. Take it. Receive it. I bless you in Jesus' name.
Well, I bless you in Jesus' name. I'm afraid God may hijack this meeting and so be it. Let Him do what He wants. This is a dangerous atmosphere. But if He takes over, don't, that doesn't make any difference. He'll, he'll, get his, he'll do what He wants. I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> so anyway, that day in, 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 in uh, Florence, Kentucky, I said, okay, God, I'll preach it. I've never seen anybody raised from the dead, but Omar Cabrera's told me how that he, God used him to raise somebody from the dead. And I heard somebody in Russia tell how they had been raised from the dead. So God, I'm going to tell them everything I know. I got up and preached and I didn't hum haul around. And I didn't lower my voice when I got to raise the dead. And I taught, this is what you do. Somebody dies and it's, it's like there's an accident or something. You know that they shouldn't have died. Then call their spirit by name back into their body. Call their spirit. You never know when you're going to need to know this. Don't just go in the morning. Take your authority. Call their name. That's all I knew how to tell them because that's what they, those other guys had done. The electric guitar player was in the band. He was in his 30s, I think. And uh, within a few months of this, so this sermon, his little boy had a tricycle or a bicycle. I forget. I think it was a tricycle. And he's riding his tricycle. And he's hit by a car, and his dad doesn't know it. But he sees a crowd out in his yard. He runs out in the picture window. So he runs out into the yard to see what the crowd's about. And he sees his little boy's tricycle all bent and over in the yard. Fear grips him. He, he, the, the dad had just graduated from EMT school, emergency medical technician. He had been trained to know what death looks like. He had been trained to know uh, the signs of death because as an emergency medical technician, you need to. He said, I got there. My son's eyes were rolled back in his head. They were glazed over. He had no pulse, no respiration. Every sign that I'd been taught about what death looks like was in my son. And my wife saw it, and she went across the yard with her hands screaming, just hysterical. Her little boy was, was, was dead. And I, and I began to, 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 to feel that. And then I remembered... Then I remembered the message. Then I remembered the sermon where you'd taught about with getters being raised today. And I began to call on the name of my little boy. And after several minutes, somebody else had called 911. And after several minutes, before the ambulance got there, all of a sudden he went, and he began to cry. The most beautiful cry. They got, had to get a, a helicopter, took him to another place. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Because he is so messed up. I bless you in Jesus' name. All of his bones from this part down are just broken and scattered and shattered. And I bless you in Jesus' name. And he was at a point, they, I bless you in Jesus' name, they put him in a body cast. And that cast went from here down to his knees with a bar between them. A couple of weeks later, they take him back to the hospital. And uh, his mother says, could you cut that cast down just one inch? It's so uncomfortable. It's up so high. If you could just cut it down an inch. The doctor, the, 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 the uh, specialist of the bone said, Ma'am, we're sorry. We know it's uncomfortable. But your son has such terrible breaks that he is going to be in that cast for months and months and months. We're just, we're just x-raying him today to see if the bones that we've set, if they are beginning to heal. So... She was discouraged. The doctor went in and came back out a few minutes later. And... I don't really know how to explain this to you, but uh, we're cutting the cast off. His bones are already healed. 
resurrection life flowed into that boy. It was a miracle. Well, I'm glad to report that in, in Mozambique, that, that, that the last report I got, 34 people have been raised from the dead through the ministry, Irish ministry. It's seen 34. We taught this in, in, in uh, Santorini, Brazil. One of the guys, a river pastor, we prayed for him. Fire of God, we prayed pressing in. It was like 120 degrees and 95% humidity. I didn't have a dry thread on me when we got done. People were desperate. We prayed to this one river pastor. He went and took the message that I'd been teaching. He preached himself. I, lo- I love it. Just take it. That's, you know, freely you get it, freely give it away. Just say you heard Randy Clark the first time, then after that it's yours. <laughs> you don't even have to say it any time. Anyway, that river pastor, he was preaching. And he preached this message. <clears throat> then a young man, 18 years old, living out in the middle of the Amazon jungle, fell over dead. But the father, a simple man who couldn't read or write, but he had heard the message. And he believed the message. And for hours and hours, he and his wife and other child prayed for the resurrection. Then the child gave up. Then the mother gave up. But the father persevered. And I don't know if it's 18 hours or not, but I know as many hours later, the boy came back to life. And, 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 we, and we got to interview the pastor who had recorded the miracle. In the name of Jesus, miracles still take place. In the name of Jesus, demons still are being kicked out. Matthew uh, 28. Let's, I already read that to you. Let's look at the scope of healing. What I mean by scope of healing, what should we be able to expect God to heal? Everything. All things. Every disease. Sometimes we think that some things are harder than others. I can't heal a cold. But Jesus heals cancer. I've started practicing on myself lately. I'm serious. I used to get, I'd get these, I've, I've been pretty healthy as far as much travel. And they say, my, I have a health practitioner, kind of a naturopath or what you might want to call them. And, uh, and she said, you know, your schedule is really not a healthy schedule. You need regularity when you eat, when you go to the bathroom, when you sleep. My sleep patterns are messed up. My bowels are totally confused. Everything's messed up with my schedule. It's not healthy. Don't get enough sleep. Don't get the exercise enough. It's not healthy. So it's kind of and, and riding airplanes is one of the worst places you can go to catch colds. And I spend a lot of time in airplanes. I bless you all. There's just five of you standing in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. So. I used to just kind of, these things, attacks would come, and I'd just say, well, here it goes again. I've got another attack coming. It's going to be about 14 days, and I'll be well. Well, I've been hanging around other people from other movements for a while now, and my perspective's changing. So uh, I got on this plane. This happened three times. I told my wife about it because she, uh, I, I, get, I get excited about little things because 
if it's, if it's yours, it's not little. And so I, I got in the airplane and I, I was coming home from San Paulo the other day and all of a sudden I started sneezing my head off. And rather than say, okay, here we go again. No, this time I put my hand in business class. I didn't care. I put my hand on my own self. I said, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that sickness, that disease, that virus. I curse you in the name of Jesus. Get out of my body now in Jesus' name. I didn't get sick. I sat three times in a row. The attack would come. I'd pray for myself. I figured, God, if it works for other people, it ought to work for me too. Well, I'm off subject, but... No, I'm not off the subject. I'm talking about healing. This is a pretty big subject. All right. The scope of healing turned to Psalms 103, verse 2 and 3. Psalms 103, verse 2 and 3. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Praise who forgives all of your sins. How many? Who forgives all of your what? And in the same verse, and heals all your diseases. How many? What? All diseases. It's in the atonement. He heals all. I've seen him heal psychosomatic illness. I've seen him heal the results of, of uh, uh, accidents, generational curses, all types, cancers. I remember we prayed for this girl, 25 years old, going to die. She feels electricity in her head. God heals her of her cancers. Another girl from Chicago, in Chicago... She came two hours driving there. Got there just from churches over. She had heard about it. We're praying for her. She's got a little beanie on because she's got all her hair has been uh, lost it through chemotherapy and it's just starting to grow back in and it's only about this long now. And, uh, um, you know, we prayed and prayed for a while. I almost missed my airplane, but it was worth it because I found out later that she had had three... I knew this before, but she got healed. I found out later. She had three tumors. They'd cut it out once cut it out twice, and it was growing back. And the doctor said, there's nothing more we can do. The root of that tumor is so deep embedded in your brain, we can't get into it without doing massive uh, brain damage to you. And we're not even sure if, if that happened, if, if, you know, if, you'd have a, uh, if you'd still live. I bless you in Jesus' name. But the power of God came in that young woman, and she was totally healed of that brain tumor. Now, I just want you to know there's nothing outside of his scope. I was talking to Roland Baker the other day, and I know that uh, Mark traveled with me, and Mark has, uh, was born with a birth defect. Uh, when, what, what is it the, the mother took? The, what is it, Mark, the, the medicine your mother took? that Something that causes it. Huh? Phalidomide. And there's a, 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 the children were born with, with a deformity in the hand or in the arm. And Mark has heard God... Uh, he believes he's heard God when he worked for me that he literally went he's in my church and got x-rays of what his arm's like now so people wouldn't think that he had doctored a picture up he wanted to have absolute proof that when he gets the creative miracle that it's going to launch him into worldwide evangelistic ministry I, I'm healing I think it will do that but anyway he's, he's believing for it and so I was, uh, was rolling with Roland Baker and we were talking and I told him, you know, Ronald, have you ever seen anything cut off, restored, grow back? 
And, and, and we were talking. I said, I, I met this guy in Presbyterian. And, then he, and this guy had his finger cut off. And he was watching one of Anacondia's meetings. And all of a sudden, the, the tip of his finger began to get hot and red and bubbly. And it began to bubble and began to grow. And he's watching it. And it grew. And, and the nail came back onto it. And, and he, I said, have you ever seen anything like that? And he told me, he said, no, but I, I've been to a place where I met the guy. I didn't see it happen, but I saw him after. He was a fisherman down in, in Mexico. This island, oh, not this island, this village was a village that was totally demonized. And that people of that village would stay up all night long, beat every night, they'd, some of them would, and they'd beat these drums and they'd worship the demons all night long and they'd cry out to the demons all night long. Somebody brought them the gospel a few years ago and they saw the light and they got delivered from their demons and they were so passionate to have now been out from underneath the oppression of the demons that the way they used to worship the demons, they worship God even with more passion every night, 24-7 and every night. Do you hear the drums? But this night, they're not worshiping demons with the drums. They're worshiping the Lord of lords and King of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Roland said, Randy, I've never been to a village that has more of an open heaven than what's going on in that village. Everybody is a Christian now. And I met this man. He was a fisherman. And somehow his arm got caught in the chain of the anchor that went off the boat. And it just literally ripped his arm off right there. He said, that man was worshiping God. And nobody told him it couldn't happen. And he was worshiping and praying and asking because it's hard to make a living as a fisherman with one hand. And you go and you can see this man. He's probably in his 50s now. And this part of his arm, you can tell it's older man's arm. But this part of the arm, the new arm, the new hand, is just like that of a 20-year-old. It's different color, skin and everything. God, all things are possible. I believe that as we see the greater things than these shall you do. Somebody says, do you really believe that? Yes. How many people did Jesus raised from the dead? Some people get offended. I bless you in Jesus' name. Some people think we're, we're offending God. If we say somebody raised more people than Jesus did, I bless you in Jesus' name. I think, I'll tell you what, I think offends God not to believe His Word. What do you think offends God the most? Say, Jesus raised three people from the dead that we're aware of, or however many it was, and we know some people that's raised more than that right now. Does that offend Jesus? It doesn't offend Him at all. He's excited about it, because that's why He went to the cross. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I'll not leave you alone. I'll send another comforter to you, counselor, helper. That word paraclete means one called along beside you to help you in your time of need. Some of us, we got the idea the Holy Spirit's there when we're grieving and we need to be comforted. But if our time of need is, is the power to heal, He's right there beside us. He's called along beside us in our time of need. We're not by ourselves. He said, Jesus said, because greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Now, I got awful quiet in here, and don't call me a heretic for quoting Jesus. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised its shame. We have truncated not only the gospel to just a forgiveness, but we've made His joy just seeing us get forgiven. 
I tell you, that does bring him joy and great joy, and I bless you in Jesus' name. But I tell you, it, I bless you in Jesus' name. It brings Jesus joy to see us write a check on his account. It brings Jesus joy when we believe him and trust him and step out of the boat and walk on the water and do what he said we could do. It brings Jesus joy to see us appropriate all that he died for. He just didn't die that we could be forgiven. He died that we could be forgiven and empowered and do the things that He had been doing so that His Father would be glorified and that we, our joy might be full. Maybe one of the reasons why there's not enough joy in the church is because there's not enough God in the church. Not enough God to do the things of God. I think this is a pretty joyous night tonight. Well, we got to go on. On, on. Well, yeah, but... It's bad when you argue with yourself. I bless you in Jesus' name. One night we were in Bergen, Norway. Every time you hear the word Norway, this side over here has got to go, Yeah! We were in Bergen, Norway. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And uh, I, I had uh, three young seminarians, Methodists, going to a liberal seminary where they taught Bultmann's demythologizing, which means this. Anything supernatural did not happen even in the Bible. It's mythological. I bless you in Jesus' name. And ha, 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 against liberalism. I bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs> I don't see anybody can believe that stuff. Uh, anyway, so these guys have been trained on that because they're anti-supernatural bias. And so they, they, you know, like demons don't really exist. You know, that's just before Freud. And Jesus was condescending to the mindset of the first century. And if Jesus was here today, he'd say they have complexes and things. Well, that's the way that, that way that seminary taught. So we walk up to this guy, 23 years, he's been totally disabled. And he's only in his 30s or 40s. 23 years, totally disabled. Why? Because he has severe shooting pains in his lungs. And they don't know why. I walked up to the guy and, you know, stuck my fat hand out and said, Come Holy Spirit. And I started saying, In the name of Jesus. When I said Jesus, he went, Oh! When you spot him, you got him. I bless you. I bless you. In Jesus' name. I turned around. I bless you in Jesus' name. I turned around to those three seminarians and I said, Watch this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break your power and I cancel your assignment and I command you to come off his lungs. And though instantly he was healed, those afflicting spirits were gone. I told them, those were afflicting spirits. I turned around and looked at those Methodist seminarians again and they were... A little bit later that night, one of his girlfriends, her fiance, she had something severely wrong with her sinuses, going to have to go have an operation on her sinuses because she has this really, really bad thing. We start to pray for her. All of a sudden, her face starts going. <laughs> and her seminarian fiance is again. I want you to know that night 
Bultmann got a bullet to the head as far as theology goes, and they returned to the Scripture. And those three Norwegian Methodist seminarians, they began to lead revival, and they began to be dispensers of the water of the river in Norway because in one night, all that years of training went out the window when they saw the power of God and the authority of God. I'm glad. I live when I do. I'm glad. I live right now. I don't want to live at any other time because I believe right now is a, one of the greatest times to be alive in the church of Jesus Christ. I believe we're going to be in one of the greatest healing revivals. God is looking for people to use. God is looking for people who will step out of the boat and use His name and believe His Word and trust His blood and give Him all the glory. Well, all right, let's turn to Exodus chapter 34. All right, well, forget it. I'm I'm just going to tell you the rest of it. Exodus chapter 34, God promises to enter into a covenant where the people will see things like they've never seen before and there'll be mighty deeds that'll be done and wonders that'll be done based upon the covenant, and that was to the people. Now, wonders, healings are not necessarily wonders, but wonders does include healings. And in other places in 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 the covenant... God says, I'm going to take all your sickness away. Talks about healing in the covenant. And so healing, we're talking about the basis of healing. There's three bases of healing. One, healing's in the old covenant. And Hebrew says, we have a better covenant with better promises based upon a better sacrifice. I bless you in Jesus' name. If it's a better covenant, then it's got to be at least as good as the old one. If it's a better covenant, then don't tell me healing was in the old one, but the better one doesn't have it. So healing's in the covenant. The denomination that's most connected to covenant theology is Presbyterians. But they're cessationists, most of them. Don't believe that healing's for today. We were at this Melbourne, Florida. The, they, the church that had the most healings was the Presbyterian church. Out of all, had 11 denominations working together. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. Healing is in the covenant. Healing is in the atonement. Not just through it, but in it. It's in the blood of Jesus. In the death of uh, His death on the cross. It's in His stripes. Matter of fact, it's, stripes really isn't the right word. Michael Brown's book teaches us that the Hebrew doesn't say by His stripes. That's what we... It says, and by His wound... One wound. Say, so, well, then how do you make out one wound? It meant that his body was so wounded that his body was literally like one solid wound. We are healed. So healing is in the covenant. Healing is in the atonement. Healing is in the kingdom. This is the message, the king. I bless you in Jesus' name. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is within you. <clears throat> Healing's in the kingdom. He did say the healing, don't look there, there. He said the healing's in you. The, the, the kingdom's in you. Now, healing's in the kingdom, the kingdom's in me. When I used to teach this a few years ago, I always made sure I was in balance and said, but I'm not the king because I was afraid of where that could go. 
I was afraid to protect the sovereignty of God. Went out. I feel like the greater need is to have faith. The kingdom of God is within. It's at hand. Healing's in the kingdom. Colossians. Christ, this is mystery which has been hidden from ages, has now been revealed, which is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Synonym for glory by Paul is power. Christ in you is the hope of power. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Jesus reveals, John chapter 2, verse 11, he, where he turned the water into wine. He thus, this is where he did his first miracle, and he thus revealed his glory. The miraculous and the power of God is revealed, the miraculous, uh, let's see, the glory of God is revealed through the miraculous, through the healing, reveals the glory of God. Now when we sing ever again, glorify thy name, <coughs> remember that song? Glorify thy name, glorify thy name in all the earth. You know what we're really asking? Demonstrate your power. The way he glorifies his name is a demonstration of his power to prove his faithfulness to his word. Now, Acts chapter 3. Peter goes by, sees a man at the gate called Beautiful. The guy's looking for him for, an, for some money. Peter said, don't have any money, but what I've got, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus, rise, take your paddle and walk. The Pope was speaking to St. Thomas Aquinas and said, took him down and showed him the treasury of the Catholic Church at this time in the Sistine Chapel, all the beautiful things that, been, that they had and, and the wealth that they had accumulated. And the Pope said at that time, no longer can the church say, silver and gold have I none. And St. Thomas looked at him and said, and neither can it say, rise, take up your pallet and walk. They had compromised in that period of the life of the church there's too much compromise and compromise and lukewarmness is not the atmosphere of the miraculous single mindedness consecration faith intimacy with Jesus is the atmosphere out of which we should expect the supernatural to come now, these are wonderful promises and there's more that I could share with you. And yet, I have to be completely honest that there's a mystery in the Bible that I don't understand. And I don't think the Apostle Paul understood it. And I think it should be more the exception. But too, for too many of us, it's the rule. And healings are the exception. I believe God wants to take us to the point that we see when a Sunday goes by that somebody doesn't get healed, that we are surprised. I challenge every pastor in the sound of my voice to, that you come to a place that you literally expect every Sunday somebody will be healed in your church. Every week, every week, people are going to be healed. And, because for, for many of us, we are shocked and surprised when somebody's healed. God wants us to get us to the place that we're shocked and surprised if a week goes by and there's not a testimony of healing. Now, having said that, I want to go back to the, the exception. 
In 2 Timothy, the last part of 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he talks about Trophimus who he had to leave sick in Miletus. Now, I, I believe Trophimus recovered. I believe that he was healed or either supernaturally or naturally. I bless you in Jesus' name. And I, I think the Apostle Paul had to struggle with... Now, I don't get it. In Ephesus, just pieces of cloth taken from my body brought healing to people. And if you ever got to see the Apostle Peter sometimes sit down and talk about it, he said, yeah, I understand that. You know, there was a time I, there's, that, that I could walk by in my shadow would heal people. He said, but this is one of my own best friends, companion, apostolic member who was moving in power with me. I had to leave him in Trophimus. I mean, my lead is sick. It's in the Bible too. And if we don't understand it, I don't think the Apostle Paul understood it. Maybe that's why he said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And maybe, just maybe, Every once in a while, when we pray for somebody, they don't get healed for our sake. And what I mean by that, I'm not trying to create a theology of excuse because I'm trying to say that it should be the exception. Here's what I think. I know my flesh well enough that if every person I prayed for 100% of the time got healed, I'm afraid I'd fall into pride. And I'd begin to think somehow I had this anointing. You know what, Alan? When you walk by and you pray for somebody and you want to see them healed and they're not healed, you pray for the next and maybe they're not healed. And then the next person you get to, you pray, they're bam, healed. Well, you know it's not you. A theology of healing is based upon the cross of Jesus. It's appropriated by faith. I bless you in Jesus' name. I want to end with two stories. One, when I told you the story about Peter, what I wanted to get to was he's my hero. You see, two things happened with that story. You know, I, I was in the vineyard for years. We got to be kind of proud of our model of praying for the sick. And uh, one day we were up in Toronto... The Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said this, I don't like the model you're using for praying for the sick. And I thought, I was shocked that He didn't. <laughs> I, I thought for sure He would because <laughs> I sure loved it. <laughs> and I thought it was biblical. And I said, Lord, why? What's wrong? What, what are we doing wrong? And it was as clear as day. He said, you're not doing anything wrong. What's wrong is what you're not doing. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, you have no emphasis on the name of my son Jesus in your prayer model. There's there's no teaching at all in your five-step prayer model about the power of the name of my son. If I, that night, if I said in the name of Jesus, of course, there's a lot of different people, different languages there, and even Hispanics there, I I said it a hundred times, in the name of Jesus. Now, the other thing that came out of that story when Peter said that was he, uh, he became my hero. I call Peter the first Teflon Christian. You know what I mean by that? Teflon Christian? He just had this wonderful word of, not, not a wonderful word 
commanded healing into this guy. The guy jumps up. He's running around. Everybody knows he's been crippled all these years. And, and, and there are big crowds coming. And Peter did not do this like some of us are, would be tempted to do. The crowd's coming. He sees him. Here's the man. He's prayed for him. The guy's healed. Peter didn't go. Man, you should have seen me. You should have seen the word God gave me. I mean, I, I, I'm something, man. I'm God's man of power for the hour. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. When they came, he said, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? And why do you look at us as if by our power or our righteousness this man has been made whole? And then he preaches, not Peter, but he preaches Jesus. And he preaches the gospel. And he said, I want you to know, but it's by faith in the name of Jesus that this man has been made whole. We've got to keep that. When I saw that, I just, every, every once in a while I'm praying for somebody. If I think somebody's looking, to, looking at me too much, I say, it, uh, I just say, just like the Apostle Peter, it's not by my power, my righteousness, anybody gets healed, but it's by faith in the name of Jesus. One night, Mark and I were in Guatemala in this great church. Power God came and there's lots of stuff that happened. All of a sudden, we both were sensing grief. It's like the people are no longer looking to Jesus. They were not excited about Jesus. Somehow they got their eyes on us. And I remember Mark said, Randy, they're just looking at us. So he said, hey, we're not praying for anybody. We are not the ones that's doing this. Jesus is doing it. Don't look to us. It's Jesus. We just kind of let things calm down so that the focus wasn't on us anymore. And then prayed in Jesus' name. Humility is key. Humility is key because God has promised several times in the Bible He will resist the proud but give grace to the humble. One of my prayers has been this, Oh God, I want to go deeper. I want to have more power. I want to be used more. I want to have more authority. And God, I know that You said You will resist the proud but give grace to the humble. So I'm asking, if You're going to give me more, You need to give me also a grace of humility that I can walk in humility. Because I remember the night that the power fell before I went to Toronto that caused Toronto to, uh, to, be, to, to get invited to Toronto. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me because people were coming. He'd reach out your hand and they'd be knocked down. They'd start laughing and rolling and all this stuff, getting healed. And I remember that night the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Randy, this is the most dangerous moment of your life. If you touch my glory, it'll destroy you. I mean, I felt a fear. I realized because I'm telling you, it is a heady thing when you have hundreds of people or scores of people or a thousand, whatever it is, kind of looking to you as if you, instead of Jesus, was the source of what was taking place. And so I, in this teaching on healing, a biblical basis of healing, it's all on Him and the Father's heart revealed through Him. And it's not about us. And yet, He gets joy out of a son or daughter adopted into His family, a brother or sister who will believe His Word and give Him the glory. I want to close with this. What's the proper motivation for healing? I've struggled with it. Lord, I want to have the right motivation. And so I thought, well, it's to see the church grow. And then I thought, well, yeah, but I like to see my... I get more excited if my church grows than somebody else's church grows. There's, I'm a, there's, I'm, there's a little bit of selfishness in that. I thought, well, that people would get saved. And I thought, yeah, but I'm more excited when my brother gets saved than somebody I don't know. There's even some selfishness in, even about salvation in my heart. And then I felt, I bless you in Jesus' name. Then I felt like 
I came across that passage in Acts chapter 19 where it says after they'd, you know, uh, they'd seen all these miracles, things that came and they had deeper repentance. They brought all their witchcraft stuff and they, about 55,000 days worth of labor or something like that. And it says that the name of Jesus was held in high honor. And I thought, Lord, that's the most pure motivation. Everything else I have is kind of has a, a tinge of selfishness in it. I want to see people get saved, but I want my family to get saved more than your fam- somebody else's family. I want to see churches grow, but I'd like to see my churches grow. I get more excited about mine growing than somebody else's. But Lord, there's nothing of self in this. And I think even above all things, I want to see the name of Jesus no longer being a swear word on the lips of people living in Redding, California. I, don't want, I want to see the name of Jesus be held in such high reverence for the power that's contained in it that people are afraid to join you when they're in their rebellion. That there's a respect. That I want to see the glory of God come in the name of Jesus so that the name of Jesus would be held in high honor. For more information on the ministry of Randy Clark and Global Awakening, please contact us on the web at www.globalawakening.com or you can phone us at 866-AWAKENING. That's 866-292-5364. We pray that this message will encourage your walk with the Lord. Thank you and God bless.